0: Working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. And financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to Eco Report. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly.
2: And I'm Don Guerra.
0: In today's feature report, Indiana environmental reporter Enrique Sands will talk about the orders by the EPA for PFAS producers to report the chemicals' effect on the environment.
2: But first, today's environmental stories. According to research by the Environmental Resilience Institute, average temperatures in Indiana will rise by 5 to 6 degrees Fahrenheit by 2050. The research also concluded that between 2004 and 2018, an average of 702 deaths occurred per year from extreme heat in the U.S. The Institute said that increasing temperatures will cause a more significant number of deaths across the Midwest because of the increased frequency, duration, and intensity of heat waves. According to the researchers, the most vulnerable people are those who work outside are poor and are unhoused. Also young and elderly people are especially at risk as are those with significant health problems. Local government and community leaders, the Institute suggested, should identify local areas at most risk of the effects of heat waves and construct infrastructure for creating shade and reflecting sunlight. Heat islands are areas that experience higher temperatures than surrounding cooler areas. They typically occur in downtown or more populated urban areas. The asphalt in urban areas absorbs heat very well, and those areas become much hotter than in forested or other natural environments.
0: Ships traversing the St. Mary's River at the Ontario-Canada-Michigan border between Lake Superior and Lake Huron recently came to a temporary halt when a spill of 5,300 gallons of oil occurred. Such a spill is small by oil spill standards. A large spill consists of 420,000 gallons, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or over 219,000 gallons, according to the International Tanker Owners Pollution Federation. Small spills rarely make the news, but take place many times each year in U.S. waterways. So far this year, over 50 oil spills have been documented. Of the more than 45 spills that were below the large spill thresholds, they've cumulatively spilled approximately 234,000 gallons of oil. Even small oil spills can have deadly environmental consequences because oil is poisonous to most living things. The St. Mary's River includes marshes and wetlands and is one of the most biodiverse regions in the Great Lakes. Rare and threatened species are among the area's inhabitants. Canadian public health officials inform people who obtain their water directly from the river not to drink it, to avoid swimming, bathing, or playing in it, and to keep animals away from it.
2: Climate change is pushing the world's oceans toward a mass extinction event, according to a new report published in Science late last month. The authors Princeton Justin Penn and Curtis Deutsch contend that without swift steps to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, the vast majority of all marine species would vanish over the next three centuries, with dire consequences for the rest of life on Earth. These findings underscore the urgent need to take dramatic action against global warming and to reduce other anthropogenic strains on marine ecosystems. There is still time to limit the damage but only if the world acts quickly. As a terrestrial species, we often take the oceans for granted, ignoring their centrality to a stable and healthy biosphere and treating them as an inexhaustible repository of resources as if they are impervious to human activity. In fact, climate change and human exploitation are rapidly degrading the marine environment, undermining the ecological foundations of our own survival. Approximately 3 billion people in the world rely on wild-caught and farmed seafood as a primary source of protein. As the largest traded food commodity in the world, seafood provides sustenance to billions of people worldwide. Twenty years ago, it was predicted that the world's oceans would cease to be viable as a source of protein by 2048. This more recent assessment suggests we have a little more time.
0: More and more people are accepting the concept of reforestation as an important tool for fighting climate change. More than 100 countries have placed a priority on planting trees. Currently, worldwide, 15 billion trees are being cut annually, and 5 billion new trees are either planted or come from natural propagation. Of greatest concern are the rainforests because they contain the greatest diversity of tree species And are home to an immense variety of plants and animals. In the current extinction event, the greatest losses will be in the rainforest and coral reefs. There seems to be confidence that by planting several billion trees, everything will be fixed. This view is an illusion. Demand for lumber is ever increasing. Another three billion people are expected by 2100. They need housing. Ocean levels are expected to be higher by as many as 40 inches, driving millions from their homes. We can expect forest fires year-round. Hurricanes are expected to become more intense as ocean temperatures rise. It might be necessary to create another class of hurricanes for those worse than Category 5. The pine beetles' territory has opened up to now include parts of the Boreal Forest. Canada and Russia are now big salad bowls to the pine beetle. The permafrost areas in Canada and Russia are melting, releasing huge volumes of methane gas, a gas much worse than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. If we look beyond 2100, we should expect oceans to rise by 10 to 30 feet by 2200. Billions of people will be displaced. Our nation's capital will need to be moved. The bottom line is planting billions of trees is good, but inadequate to reduce the threat of climate change.
2: The Westinghouse Electric Corporation which massively contaminated the Bloomington area with PCBs and went bankrupt trying to construct four nuclear reactors in South Carolina and Georgia is busy making nuclear deals in Ukraine despite the war there. Westinghouse has made a new agreement with Energoatom, the Ukrainian state nuclear operator, to build nine new reactors in that nation. Westinghouse also will supply nuclear fuel to all of Ukraine's 15 nuclear reactors and establish a Westinghouse engineering and technical center there. Ukraine, a war zone, has seven reactors currently operated. Linda Pence-Gunter, editor and curator of BeyondNuclearInternational.org and international specialist at Beyond Nuclear, points out, quote, if even one of those reactors were fully breached, or its fuel pool caught fire or suffered an explosion, whether from an attack, accident, or meltdown due to grid failure, the amount of radioactivity released would dwarf the 1986 Chernobyl disaster. End quote. Recent Russian missiles have been flying low over a six-reactor Ukrainian site and over three other reactors, If one of those missiles strikes a reactor, says Gunter, quote, the humanitarian catastrophe that is already unfolding in Ukraine would be magnified beyond imagination, end quote. Westinghouse not only went bankrupt, it also has a terrible track record of cost overruns, technical problems, and long delays in completing reactors.
0: According to the Atlantic magazine, For the past month, a heat wave of mind-boggling scale and intensity has gripped South Asia. More than one billion people in India and Pakistan have endured daytime highs of 40 degrees celsius or 104 degrees fahrenheit. Delhi, the world's second largest city, has suffered through back-to-back days of 110 degree fahrenheit heat. And Nawabshah, Pakistan, a city of nearly 230,000 people in the country's desert south, came within half a degree of 50 degrees Celsius, 122 degrees Fahrenheit, the temperature at which the human body starts to cook. The heat wave has a horrific human cost. Dozens of people have died of heat stroke, according to reports from NPR. It will have a climate cost. Although only the richest Indians own air conditioners, electricity demand is so high that the country is planning to import additional coal to keep its power grid alive. The heat wave will also have an economic cost. The world is suffering through a shortage of crucial commodities, including keystone cereal crops such as wheat. When Russia invaded Ukraine, it scrambled an already strained global wheat market. Russia is the world's largest wheat export and Ukraine the world's sixth largest and sent prices soaring. India, which has enjoyed five straight years of record wheat crops, jumped in and offered to export more than usual. For now, the heat wave has thrown those plans into doubt. Some Indian farmers have estimated that 10 to 15 percent of their crop has died. But it's too early to know exactly how the heat wave will shape the crop. As bad as these events are, they are simply a prelude to a hotter world. Many climate scientists are predicting an additional temperature rise of 4 to 7 degrees Fahrenheit by 2100.
2: Wells Fargo Bank is the world's second largest financier, of fossil fuel projects. Last year it financed 46 billion dollars in energy projects. The day before the bank's annual shareholders meeting, a group of climate activists chained themselves to an antique stagecoach in a museum gallery that's part of the bank's headquarters complex in San Francisco. They said they were zeroing in on the bank's hypocrisy since it's confronted with shareholder resolutions demanding that it stopped financing new fossil fuel projects. police arrested 19 protesters. In 2021, Wells Fargo was the largest singer-financer of fracking. It lent $8.5 billion to frackers, who used that method of extracting gas and oil to revive thousands of depleted wells in the Permian Basin in Texas. Said Alison Kirsch, Policy and Research Manager of Rainforest Action's Climate and Energy Program, quote, Wells Fargo is the poster child of climate profiteering. We demand accountability because this recklessness will be paid for in human lives, end quote. Involved in the action were the group's Sunrise Bay Area, One Thousand Grandmothers for Future Generations, Extinction Rebellion San Francisco Bay, and other grassroots organizations. The activists said they'll continue their occupation of bank properties indefinitely.
0: A group of Republican-led states has asked the Supreme Court to reinstate a court order blocking a key climate accounting measure put in place by the Biden administration amid a legal dispute with potentially high stakes for climate change regulation. Led by Louisiana, the GOP-led states urged the justices to revive a federal judge's February ruling that temporarily stopped the Biden administration's use of a metric known as the social cost of planet warming gases to quantify the climate cost and benefits of regulatory actions. In court papers filed recently, Republican attorneys general from 10 states drained their fire on the metric at issue formerly known as the Social Cost of Greenhouse Gas Estimates, which was first implemented under then-President Obama. Quote, The estimates are a power grab designed to manipulate America's entire federal regulatory apparatus through speculative costs and benefits so that the administration can impose its preferred policy outcomes on every sector of the American economy. End quote. The group of GOP-led states wrote in their brief. The Obama-era figures gave much more weight to climate damages than figures used under the Trump administration. These social costs have been used to help quantify the climate benefits of regulation, or conversely, the climate cost of deregulation in agency rulemaking. Higher costs of greenhouse gases can be used to justify more stringent regulations. What the Republican Initiative says in plain English is that there is no interest in limiting Global
2: warming to 2 degrees Celsius. On June 7th, members of Extinction Rebellion DC, a local chapter of the global climate movement, donned hazmat suits and gas masks to disrupt a legislative session of Washington DC City Council. They demanded that the council halt Washington Gas's plan to spend $4.5 billion on new methane gas pipes to bring the fossil fuel into people's homes in the district for cooking and heating. According to Extinction Rebellion DC, this plan would lock in decades of planet heating emissions while poisoning and otherwise endangering DC residents. The activists used loudspeakers to broadcast a speech in which United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres states that avoiding a climate catastrophe mandates an immediate halt to all new fossil fuel projects said Riley Polka, a spokesperson for the climate group, "...we will continue to disrupt politics as usual until the council acts to protect the people it is supposed to serve." Methane heats the planet 20 times faster than carbon dioxide. Washington's gas-methane project would make D.C.'s climate aims impossible to attain. Methane is also a pollutant that causes asthma, and early death, especially in children. D.C. has over 6,000 methane leaks, much higher than the national average, and about a dozen are so hazardous that they could explode at any time. Black, brown, indigenous, and poor communities are most at risk. In April, Extinction Rebellion initiated a long-term campaign of nonviolent civil disobedience to end the district's use of methane. The group sent letters and disrupted forums with candidates in upcoming local elections.
0: A study published in the journal Weather and Climate Dynamics reinforces the growing consensus that the hurricane threat to vulnerable coastal communities will keep increasing. The research shows global warming has contributed to a decisive increase in Atlantic Ocean hurricane activity in the last 40 years and double the chances for extreme seasons like 2020. That was the most active hurricane season on record when tropical storms started early, ended late and included 11 tropical systems hitting the United States with seven major hurricanes and one subtropical system even making it all the way to Portugal. Every single mile of the US Atlantic coastline was under a tropical storm watch or warning during the 2020 season. The study reinforces the growing consensus that vulnerable coastal communities need to prepare more for years like 2020, said lead author Peter Fleiterer, a research scientist from Climate Analytics, a nonprofit climate scientist and policy think tank.
2: In a blow against the climate crisis, 10 climate activists from Extinction Rebellion have glued themselves to the doors of a European Commission building in Brussels. 25 activists from Germany. Austria, France, the Netherlands, Italy, and other European countries took part in the action, imploring the EU to do more to ameliorate environmental harms and to criminalize ecocide and intentional and systematic destruction of ecosystems, said Amélie. A member of Extinction Rebellion Berlin, We don't have time to wait because biodiversity loss is going on and on. We need to start acting. End quote. A member of Extinction Rebellion France added, quote, Unfortunately, today if you want to be heard, there aren't many options but to use civil disobedience. End quote. A commission official passing by questioned why the police were arresting the activists as they unglued them. She remarked, quote, It's stupid. If the activists don't say anything, who will? End quote. Recently, the Commission presented a revision of its Environmental Crime Directive, the goal of which was to expand the list of environmental crimes in EU legislation and increase sanctions against those who damage nature. However, the Commission didn't add Ecoside to that list.
0: Shares of Rivian Automotive Incorporated opened at a record low recently, down 14%, after a report that early investor Ford would be selling a part of its stake in the electric car maker. Rivian's shares were trading at $24.77, a far cry from their record of $179.50 in November of last year. Ford is selling 8 million of its Rivian shares as the stock's lockup period expired. CNBC reported over the weekend, citing sources. Ford was Rivian's fourth largest shareholder with 11.4% stake, according to Refinitiv Data. Rivian is struggling in a competitive market, including competition from Ford's 150 Lightning electric pickup truck, while a supply chain crisis is limiting production at its plants. The electric car maker earlier cut its planned 2022 production in half to 25,000 vehicles due to supply chain issues. The Irvine, California based company has lost roughly three quarters of its value this year while delivering only 1,227 cars in the first quarter. Many of these EV startups are likely to go bankrupt because of the difficulties described above and also because demand is very low. Sales are likely to be low until there are more
2: incentives. In today's feature report, Indiana environmental reporter Enrique Sands will talk about the detailed orders by the EPA for PFAS producers to report the chemicals' effect on the environment.
1: The EPA has issued orders to four manufacturers of PFAS firefighting foam to test how breathing in specific PFAS products affects humans. The agency sent the testing orders to Chemours, DuPont, National Foam, and Johnson Controls, ordering them to determine how inhalation exposure to their firefighting foam products made with a PFAS chemical called 62 fluorotelomer sulfonamide betaine affects humans. PFAS chemicals are a group of thousands of synthetic chemicals used since the 1940s to manufacture products resistant to water, fire, grease, and stains. The chemicals have been linked to increased risk of kidney and testicular cancers, increased cholesterol levels, increased risk of high blood pressure or preeclampsia in pregnant women, decreased birth weight, and decreased vaccine response in children. PFAS chemicals have been used to make foam to extinguish fire caused by liquids like gas, oil, and grease, and solvents since the 1970s. The foam, although extremely useful, was found to leach PFAS chemicals into soil and waterways, potentially exposing people close to and downstream from sites where the foam is used. PFAS chemicals do not degrade in the environment and remain in the human body for at least five years after they enter. That's something that has affected firefighters directly. Researchers have found elevated PFAS levels in the blood of firefighters and other occupationally exposed groups. But despite a breadth of knowledge about some PFAS chemicals like PFOS and PFOA, data gaps exist on the effect of other widely produced and used PFAS chemicals like 6,2 fluorotelomer sulfonamide betaine. The EPA said the testing orders will help fill those gaps. The EPA has the authority to issue the orders due to the Toxic Substances Control Act, a 1976 law which gives the agency the authority to require certain reporting, record keeping, and testing requirements, as well as the power to impose some restrictions relating to chemical substances. The testing will include an analysis of 62 sulfonamide betaines' physical chemical properties, its toxicokinetic properties, or how it's absorbed, distributed, metabolized, and excreted, and how much of the chemical enters the body when inhaled. Here in Indiana, the state is confronting its own potential PFAS contamination, In 2020, state lawmakers banned the use of PFAS firefighting foam during training, except under certain circumstances. The Indiana Department of Environmental Management in 2021 launched a three-phase PFAS sampling project for community water systems. In its first phase of testing, the agency detected various PFAS chemicals in the treated drinking water of at least 10 community water systems in Indiana, serving between 3,300 and 10,000 customers. IDEM will now test water systems serving less than 3,300 customers, and will test the state's largest water systems beginning in 2023. The state has also established a voluntary program for firefighting departments to rid themselves of PFAS firefighting foam stockpiles at no cost. It's called the PFAS Foam Collection Initiative. To learn more, you can check out our website, IndianaEnvironmentalReporter.org. For
0: Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly,
2: and I'm Don Guerra.
0: Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for ECO Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org.
2: And now for some upcoming events. Have fun at a Creek Stomp on Saturday, July 2nd from 1 to 1 30 p.m. at Spring Mills State Park. Meet naturalist Emily by the Village Ordinary and feel the cool spring water on your feet while you help her find the macroinvertebrates that call Mill Creek home.
0: Enjoy a live raptor show at Brown County State Park on Saturday, July 2nd from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Join the Indiana Raptor Center for an exciting evening with some of Indiana's predatory birds. Learn about what threats they face and how you can help appreciate these incredible animals bring your own chairs or blankets.
2: Participate in a snake chat at the Payne town State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake on Wednesday, July 6th from 1 to 1:30 1 p.m. in the activity center. The naturalist will have live snake for you to see up close and touch. Learn about the snakes and how you can protect them.
0: Bloomington Parks and Recreation will have a hike on Saturday, July 9th from noon to 2 p.m at the Sherwood Oaks Park on how to be a good neighbor. Learn fun facts about honeybees and other pollinators while hiking through Sherwood Oaks and Goat Farm Parks. Bring drinking water and meet in the shelter. Register at bloomington.in.gov parks.
2: An Explore Lake Monroe paddling trip into the North Fork of Salt Creek is scheduled for Sunday, July 10th from 7 to 9 p.m. You must have prior paddling experience bring your own canoe or kayak and explore the quieter side of monroe lake experience beautiful views hidden wildlife and much more sign up at bit.ly forward slash explore monroe dash jul 10-2022 Enrique Sands gave us the Indiana Environmental Report. Juliana Daly assembled the script and Linda Green, Don Guerra and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced and audio edited today's show.
0: For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly.
2: And I'm Don Guerra.
0: And this is Eco Report.
2: Directly to the Eco Report staff.
0: The email address is
2: earth at wfhb.org.
0: That's earth at wfhb.org.